Well, boys and girls, welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you from my little home here in Stockholm because it has been a very, very, very busy weekend for the Irish community in Sweden. Not least the Irish community above in Yavla. About an hour and a half, let's say an hour and 45 minutes in case any traffic police are listening to this, right? Because we don't do any speeding, lads, when we're driving up the road. But we were up there yesterday, lads. There was a Gaelic football tournament at Yavla Vallen put on by Yavla GAA. And what a day it turned out to be. It was absolutely brilliant. A perfect location. Uh, four brilliant teams. Uh, you had two teams from Yavla, A and B. One wearing a lovely uh, green and gold kit from representing Sandvik, and it was brilliant. And you had the team coming up from Hildurad in uh, in Denmark. And then you had ourselves from the Stockholm Gales traipsing up the road as well. And the football yesterday was fantastic altogether. And not only that, but we had the Viking Gales hurlers there, and we had the Stockholm Gales camogie team there, and we had a mixed football match and a mixed camogie and hurler match. And it was just an amazing day altogether. Together. And to cap it all off, uh, Yavla won for the first time on home soil. So I think the last time they had a tournament above there, uh, we, we sort of ruined the party by going up from Stockholm and winning the final against them. I think we actually beat them in the final, if I'm not mistaken. And that's always a bit of a, it's a bit of a punch in the mouth, lads. Nobody likes it when somebody else comes to your tournament and abuses your hospitality by going away with a trophy. But yesterday, Yavla won the final against Hildurad from Denmark by two points. Uh, and it was a brilliant game of football. It was just it was fascinating to see, uh, sort of t- tactically and technically and everything else like that. It was fantastic. Um, there's so many people playing for Yavla, which was great to see. So many people in the stands. They had uh, the VIP bar was open, and there was hamburgers, and there was families there, and there was kids running around the place in GEA jerseys. And you had great support from the likes of Kirby's and from Colin, and I'm sure that um, various other companies, uh, LPI, and those lads were all involved, or certainly their staff would have been involved up there as well. So uh, it was brilliant to see. And you know, I just I think I wrote on Instagram or Twitter somewhere. My heart was full coming down the road yesterday. I had to work yesterday evening so I literally had to jump in the car straight after the final was over and fly back down here to Stockholm but it was just amazing and what tends to happen then is that you start to think of these things in terms of okay how do we make this bigger how do we make this better how do we get more football and camogie and hurling played by boys and girls and that and we're going to have to come together now over the winter that's coming lads and get this together because it was brilliant like the the football yesterday the standard of football was very high but i'm thinking of the local community and i'm thinking of you know the local people that we can get involved swedish people born and raised here i keep coming back to olympic handball maybe we can get them involved and with such a big irish community in yavl at the moment I mean, Jesus, you know, lads, it's the second biggest community in the country, I'd say, after Stockholm, because there's so many people up there working, and they're going to be up there for a few years, so it would be absolutely brilliant if we could get native Swedes playing in there. So put the call out to everybody uh, around the country there. Let's let's have a conversation among the GAA clubs and people who are interested in sports and see what we can do to grow this team, because like the, the vibes yesterday uh, was just brilliant altogether, and to see so many people out there enjoying it. Um. The other thing I'd say is that we have established football clubs uh, and, and hurlers. We have them down in Malmo, we have them down in Gothenburg and that. And it's um, it's one of those things that, you know, we need as many teams as possible to travel to this. Now, I'm not calling anybody out here like that, lads. I know these things cost money and time and we all have jobs and we have families and we don't have much free time and that kind of thing. But we have to travel and support one another when we put tournaments on, right? And especially, I'm thinking, on the ladies' side, right? Because when the ladies' football tournaments and when the ladies' camogie teams are doing well, then GEA in the Nordic region is thriving. That's just how it works because we have so much more engagement, so much more involvement 
involvement it's so much more crack socially as well when we get out and about so we need to find a way of getting more women's teams involved and finding the resources to be able to bring women and men all over the country to play these tournaments and to play more often and uh, we travelled up the road from the Stockholm Gales with the bare bones lads there was 13 of us went up I was one of the 13 I was injured so I couldn't play at all I got hurt playing soccer last week and I was disgusted with myself because we played loads of Gaelic football the day before and uh, I was just really annoyed I wasn't able to help out so we had the bare bones and we could have done with another few lads from Stockholm to grow up there as well and we could we would have loved to have seen a team from Gothenburg and a team from Malmo and maybe a new club in Vesteros or wherever we happen to have Irish lads living and working or Irish girls living and working so we're going to look at that we're going to look at the universities to see if we can get Erasmus students involved and we'll just play then if we have to uh, on a sort of more local level so we've had a natural fit between Malmo and Gothenburg and Copenhagen over the years because they're in a similar region it's only two or three hours for them to get to one another Malmo's only across the bridge from Copenhagen so we let them have their sort of you know southern Nordic championship and maybe we can have our northern Nordic championship here or we can have a sort of a, a regional championship a little bit further up and bring over Helsinki and that so any ideas lads get on to me because I think I'm going to involve myself a little bit there as time goes on a huge thanks to all the companies to John and to Dane and to everybody up for the hospitality up in Yavlet. Like it has to be seen to be believed. And I know there's big companies there that are putting money into these things and I'm hugely grateful for that. Uh, but it is really, it's a benchmark for all of us. Like we don't actually need a huge amount of money to do these things, but any investment or any sponsorship that people are willing to put up. And I know that Martin Hessian and Veerstrums is helping the Camogie girls and he's helping the soccer team and he's helping the Gales and he's helping this podcast. So if we can find resources and we can pool them together and just, you know, make it easier for us to play these games because there's something really special about what happens when we come together to play these games against one another you know and I was writing about Dan Gallagher last night from Donegal Dan's a great footballer played down here with Stockholm for a good while and then has moved around a little bit in the Nordic region and played for a couple of other teams but now he's above up in Yavla and very much settled in there and to see him he kicked a brilliant point that gave Yavla the lead there I wrote about it on the irishandsweden.com website uh, and it was just to see a fellow like that, you know, this is a guy I've known now for years at this stage, you know, and you just, you get to know people, you get to like people, and you go and you compete and you knock lumps out of one another whilst they're doing it, and then you go and you grab a drink and a bite to eat afterwards and you tell the war stories and it's great crack altogether, so it was absolutely brilliant from that perspective. There will be another sporting podcast next week, right, because Michelle Cotter and her Stockholm Gales Camogues, they're heading down to The Hague for the, the Hurling and Camogie tournament down there, as are the Viking Gales, and I talked to Paddy and I talked to Brendan, and we We've talked to John Carroll on this podcast before about it, so hopefully next week when they get back on Sunday evening, we'll be able to have a chat with them fresh off the plane or the boat or the train or however the hell they get back to us uh, about how it went for them down there, and we'll see what we can do again. We'll try to put a plan in place because the hurling and camogie, the standard yesterday was brilliant, and a lot of the girls playing camogie in particular haven't really played that much before, so it just goes to show what you can do with a short space of time and a good coach and a good dedicated person like Michelle helping people to find their feet there because it's not about the winning or the losing of it it's like about getting down there playing your games taking part developing being the best person the best player that you can be and hanging out with a bunch of other girls or a bunch of other fellas around you like there's just great joy to be had in that and it's fantastic to see so we'll try to get them on next week's podcast but on this week's podcast 
Uh, I will actually apologise before I go any further to Yavla GEA. Usually I try to do a Voices from the event podcast, but I couldn't do that this week, mostly because I couldn't really walk, right? So I was wandering around the place. I, uh, I injured a muscle where a muscle attaches to me pelvis last week playing soccer, and that led to me overcompensating and problems with me Achilles and me calf muscles. So I couldn't really walk that much yesterday. That was what stopped me from playing. So I wasn't able to run around and gather the voices as I usually would. But the next time I go up to Yavla, the next time he's our host and I turn one up there, Absolutely, you will get the VIP treatment, lads. Uh, if I'm not playing myself, and uh, well, I should say, I might mic myself up and run around the place where you know. So that'll be with the plan for that next week. Uh, a little bit of a shout out as well before we go into this week's interview to the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. We're coming to the end of August. It's the last Sunday in August now, as I'm talking to you. And the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden will be uh, ramping up its activities now from now until the end of the year. So look them up on LinkedIn. Look the, up their website. Uh, I was planning something uh, to, to, uh, along their lines, if you like, uh, but I've had to postpone that for a little while because the person I wanted to interview won't be available for another few weeks, but I'll hopefully be meeting them at one of their business breakfasts here in Stockholm soon and we'll catch up with what they're up to. And they are, they're all over the country. Uh, Aunt Marcy is uh, doing things for them down in Gothenburg and, and Rory is doing things up in uh, in Östersund and Neil Costigan is still knocking around. I don't know if he's in Lule or Stockholm, but there's always plenty going on there and there's plenty of support and mentoring and everything else like that. So if you're only new in business here, uh, reach out to them. We probably have a whole crop of new uh, Erasmus students over here. So if you're over here for the first time, you're very, very welcome. Get involved in your community, go find the other people. My own daughter was uh, down in Linköping University and uh, they were calling the role for the first time and this fella turns around in front of her and goes are you Irish? and she says yes I am her name's Saoirse O'Connor it's kind of a giveaway and the man goes oh yeah my, I'm from Cork and his name is Rian and the two of them are studying the same course down there now so they're starting a little Irish enclave so uh, see if we can find the other Irish students there and if there's anything we can do if we can send you down a couple of footballs or whatever to get you going so why wouldn't we do that? listen this week's interview is an absolutely fascinating character do you know how fascinating this interview is? it's so fascinating I turn up a week early for it. This week I'm talking to Tony McCarrick and Tony as you will hear uh, he is a strategic advisor for a company called Atea and Atea are here at the end of my street if you like in Stockholm. I pass them by every day where Tony works and Tony was coaching the women's football team but that's not what we're talking to him about this week, right? Tony is one of these people who sort of slipped into the whole IT, technology, internet, internet of things, artificial intelligence space, right? He was working as a teacher and then gradually sort of moved over to the technology side of things. And now he is working as a strategic advisor for ITA, which is a fantastic job. And this is a man who sort of, uh, I wouldn't say fell into it because it's absolutely, you know, he's in the right place, lads. When you hear him talking about these things and how much he's thought about it and how much he knows about it, you'll understand exactly what it is. But I saw him writing something on LinkedIn recently about artificial intelligence. You know, this chat GPT and all these different image uh, generators and all this kind of thing. And I see it all over the place, you know, people doing their CVs with it. There was the famous occasion there at uh, the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden's uh, St. Patrick's Day lunch uh, when Neil Costigan asked, as part of his speech, he asked chat GPT to write a profile of himself. And instead of writing a profile of Neil Costigan, it wrote an obituary as if Neil had passed away, which he absolutely hadn't because he stood up there and gave the speech with his tongue firmly planted in his cheek but having seen Tony McCarrick writing about this on LinkedIn I said I'd get in touch with him about it because it's one of those things that you know people worry about their jobs and they worry what effect is this going to have on my kids are they going to use it for their homework is it going to be used for writing manuals for 
LPI up in Yavla, you know, well, what's all this going to be used for, you know? So I said I'd sit down with him and I'd talk to him about his fascinating life and his career. So as I say, I just really enjoyed talking to him and I hope you'll enjoy uh, listening to it as much as I did doing it. So here he is, Tony McCarrick on artificial intelligence and everything else besides. Tony now with a clear glass of liquid that is probably not put you now, despite the fact that we're at the end of the working day here in Gista. Uh, Tony, tell us where we are and what you do here, I suppose, is the first place to start. Uh, we're in, in Gista and in the office at Atea where I work uh, and I'm a strategic advisor in the area of AI and other stuff. O- other fascinating stuff. <laughs> And I've been here a year, just just under a year actually. Was it this kind of work that brought you to Stockholm and to Sweden in the first place? Was that? No, no, no. I'm a teacher originally. Uh, yeah. Went to college in, in Galway, uh, and after that, I, I uh, travelled to Nigeria, uh, where I was teaching for a few years. And uh, I was living in a small village in the the border to Cameroon. And to that small village, uh, four Swedish people turned up. As, the, as, as they do. <laughs> and as they say, one thing leads to another. And uh, I'm still married to Nina, who I met in Nigeria. And we live in Stockholm with uh, two adult daughters. That's the long and the short of it. God, you made it very short there. But what, was it? What, what was it that brought you to Nigeria? Was it just curiosity or what was it? Uh, well, you know, you know, Irish people, they have a tendency to like travel, don't they? Mm. Uh, I, I I wanted to see the world, and I had a professor at, at Gaul University who had actually worked in Nigeria for years. Yeah, uh, but it was just a, a bit of chance. I wanted to to see the world, uh, learn something new, and uh, yeah. Um, presuming now, when I see you writing in Swedish and that kind of thing, you, yeah. obviously you mentioned your two daughters have grown up here. Yes, so, yes. You, you, like, you, you didn't come over like Niall from Dungarvan last week, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> so you've been here for a few years. When did you just arrive back in Sweden then? I've been here actually for 40 years now. That is, that's a long time, Daddy. That's a very, there's no Irish in Sweden podcast back when you got here, was there? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. No. What was it like here then? Because uh, from what I've been told, I've been here 24 odd years myself, yeah. but what, from what I've been told, the community was very small here. Mm. There was maybe one or two Irish bars. What was it yeah. like for an Irishman to be moving here then? It was very exotic. So moving to Sweden was almost as exotic as moving to Nigeria yeah. you know uh, there was very few it was a fairly closed society it was very difficult it wasn't part of the European Union mm. it was very difficult to get in the Irish uh, society was, was very small uh, of course but um, Olaf Palme was alive that's right yeah. it was a completely different world and uh, I loved it as I still do of course but it was a different world and uh, I got to know a few Irish people, but uh, there wasn't many of us in it. No. Uh, and uh, the only ones that were there really was that somebody who met uh, a partner uh, and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so... Just yeah. I'm just thinking that Ericsson at that stage had... Uh, didn't they have a plan somewhere in Galway or somewhere in the Midlands or something like that? So people would have come over yes. for six months. Yeah. And that, but then they'd yeah. be rotated out again yes. sort of thing yeah. and very few yeah. people would have yeah. settled, you know? Yeah. Um, the first time you come over here, we always hear, we know that the, the Swedes speak better English than we do ourselves uh-huh. in many cases, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you had to get a job. Yes. You had to learn the language and that yeah. kind of thing. How, yeah. how hard was it for you to get started? Because I know they, you know, the language thing is a problem for many yes. people that they don't realise. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, will, I must say I was very lucky. At that time, uh, when I moved here, uh, the situation was that uh, I was allowed to go to, to learn Swedish from, I think it was 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock yeah. every day for three or four months. And yeah. they paid me to do it. They gave you money for that. Yes, Brilliant. it wasn't much, but <laughs> it was perfect for me. Yeah. And uh, when I was uh, at school in Ireland, I never understood the, the 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 chances of learning a different language. I never bothered. Yeah. But coming to Sweden, I really felt like oh, here's I've got a chance. I wanted to take the chance to learn the language. Mm. Uh, so I was I was lucky. Uh, I could uh, do that, and I was uh, I was used to studying. So yeah. So uh, I stepped it up, and uh, yes, I took it seriously from day one. Really. Mm. Was it was the aim then to go into teaching? Was it teaching that you studied in, in Galway? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And was the aim then to get into a Swedish school and start teaching? Uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. But, you know, I was very young. I don't think I had any goals or aims. <laughs> no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> I was taking one day after the other. But, uh, yes, of course. So I started working as a home language uh, teacher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, when I didn't know the Swedish and that crack. I did that for a while, but then... Uh, so, so that would have been teaching English to people who had an English-speaking yes, parent, yes, so they would yes, have had some yes, sort of level yeah, of it already. Yeah. Yeah. And that was such a hard job. Was it? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I went to college to learn chemistry and math, so I had no idea how to teach English, of course. Yeah. And you were, you were given the job and, and no help and no instruction. But I got a chance to understand the Swedish society. But at that time, anyway, then you had to uh, pass a test in Swedish uh, so that you'd be good enough to be allowed to start teaching in the Swedish schools. Yeah. Um, and then you also had to, if I remember properly, you had to work at least two years in the Swedish schools. And after that, if you behaved yourself more or less, uh, then you would get the, uh, you would be allowed to be uh, recognised as a Swedish teacher. Yeah. That that took a few years actually. Yeah. To do that, uh, but. Uh, did you have a struggle with this, right? It was it was said to me twenty years ago. So why don't you become a teacher? A, yeah. I don't like children. But, <laughs> and for the second part, my experience of growing up, loudmouth that I am, right? The, the leather was used regularly, right? So mm. I can only imagine. I remember coaching a soccer team here in Spongo one night, and we were doing this drill. And this young fellow says, "Why are we doing it?" I says, "Because I fucking told you to do it." It's that now get on with it kind of thing. So, did you struggle to sort of go from being an Irish school teacher to teaching in the Swedish school system? You're a nice bloke here, much nicer bloke than me. But was it was it difficult? Uh, I'm sure I struggled. Uh, but you know, uh, Philip, I left Ireland when I was 21. Yeah. Uh, so I went direct from college to Nigeria. Yeah. So I never taught in Ireland. But then, of course, I went to school in Ireland. The Sisters of Mercy in Sligo. Everybody <laughs> knows what that looks like. <laughs> There's very little mercy to be had from those girls. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, and then I taught in Nigeria for a few years. Uh, but of course, it was uh, a big step forward. But I, I wasn't... I think it would have been much harder if I'd worked in Ireland for a few years first and yeah. stuff. But I was lucky enough. Anyway, I worked uh, at uh, secondary schools and gymnasium for a few years. Yeah. But then I stepped over to working with adult education, which I really loved. This and is I, what's called convux. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I worked there, I think, for maybe 15 years or something. OK. Ah, and I loved that. Did you? And that's a different type of a job because it's not about, you know, take your hat off or, or learn this you you yeah. meeting adults who get a second chance 
And uh, a lot of those adults, you know, they didn't work out well when they were younger and then they mature and they go back to school and then it's mm. fine for God's yeah. sake. And, and you, you get the direct response. So I loved that. So that was uh, that was that was the kind of teaching that suited me uh, yeah. the best. Yeah. Mm. Um, somehow then you mentioned the background in chemistry and mathematics. Yeah. Right? So there's obviously a love of science in there and yeah. of logic and of <laughs> applying yourself to problems. So rather than applying yourself to the problems of children or adults and teaching them, yeah. you made this move into the sort of the technology sphere. Yeah. What was it that led you in there? Because, I mean, teaching is a fantastic foundation for anything you yes. want to do in life. Yeah. How did you get the opportunity yeah. to get into what you're doing now? Uh, and of course, it's like lots of other things by chance. Yeah. You get a chance. Well, what happened was when when the whole Internet thing came, uh, I really saw the possibilities of, of using that in the educational sphere. Yeah. So I started working with uh, when I was working with adult education uh, with uh, distance education, you know, so yeah. that that people could uh, study online, which was really breathtaking uh, <laughs> way back geez. then. Uh, and uh, started working even with international projects. So th that's how I got the, sta the start uh, the start of it. And then uh, I moved over and became a, a vice principal at a secondary school. I was teaching for a few years and then became a vice principal. And I got, because uh, I had this interest in technology, they said, oh, well, Tony, you can look after the technology part. Jeez. And I said, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that was about, you know, helping the teachers get their own computers, uh, making sure that we had a Wi-Fi in the schools. Mm. You know, today that sounds like, you know... Sounds quaint nearly, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's only like 15 years ago. Yeah. Here. And, uh, and, and the big thing, of course, you, of course, you have to fix the technology and all that. But the big question is, I would say, and I would suggest, is how, how, does, how can technology and how can internet help the, lear the students learn. Yeah. That's the big thing, of course. Yeah. So I do, did a lot of work with uh, <coughs> helping the teachers uh, understand how you could use the technology to improve learning mm. and, and try and give the students uh, access to information ar around the world. But anyway, the, the municipality that I worked in, in Butcherke, they thought this was the best thing since sliced bread. Did they? More or less. <laughs> uh, so they... Well, it's the long and the short of it, but uh, they, 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 I was asked, uh, could I do the whole, the same thing for all the schools in the municipality? Okay. So that's how I made the transi transition. Yeah. So then I got a job uh, in, in Bouchirk. Uh, in the, in the commune kind of yeah, thing, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And uh, as a strategist to, to try and, and but at the same thing, but on a bigger scale, mm. uh, helping the, the principals, how they should think, and how the, um, to helping the parents, helping the teachers, helping the students, and, and also talking to the technology people. So my job was to try and to translate mm. what's important and what's not important uh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And it was very uh, exciting times. And uh, Bouchirka then was very politically aware of this, which was uh, a great thing because once the politicians have the question then they have the power to make the difference yeah so we we did a lot of stuff and we got a, a lot of kickback nationally and also internationally and we we traveled to singapore with the whole crowd to oh, learn more and all which was uh, very exciting so i did that uh, for a good few years um and then uh, I thought I'd, I'd change again and, and uh, I thought I'd, I'd take the step over to 
maybe trying to use technology in the whole municipality. Yeah. Uh, so I applied for a job in Southertelia, which is also yeah. municipality in the south side. And I got that job, and uh, the job was really to, to help the municipality to, to work strategically over the whole field, like all, every, all tech, you know, the all parts of the municipality, which is, you know, how, how, how do you do the schools and all that kind of stuff with technology, but just as well, how do you keep the city clean or yeah. how do you help the older people? So, so, so the whole society, really. And I thought, geez, that's a great chance. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I got the ball and I got uh, I started up a small little organization uh, that I was the boss of. We were only about five people or so. Uh, and I had a budget and, and they said, OK, Tony, more or less, get the job gone, done, mm -hmm. do something that makes it better for the citizens, because mm -hmm. that's why we're at work, of course. Yeah. And uh, I thought, of course, we'll, we'll do our best. Uh, so I worked with that for about five years and we did quite a lot of stuff. Uh, we did like using Internet of Things to to put uh, uh, sensors on the on the waste paper baskets mm. and why do you do that yeah that because you want to have the the the, the town cleans as simple as that of yeah. course yeah so the bin basically tells you when it's full you go yes, along yeah yes yes and that's an important thing and mm. especially it's important in a country like sweden or in japan or in china where where the population is getting older and older we know that it's very hard to get people to work in the municipality. Yeah. It's going to be even harder later on. So we have to try and find ways to use the people that we have in, a, in, in, a, in, in, a, in an efficient way. Mm. That was one of the things. Another thing we did, we did a lot of stuff with real-time data. And that means we, we did, uh, as an example, that we, we, we put out uh, Internet of Things sensors in the parking places for people who are physically impaired. Yeah. And that means that when, when, when Adam or Lotta wanted to go somewhere to park their car, then they have to know that that parking place is empty, otherwise they can't go there. So yeah. so, so, so at, we put the sensors there and the sensors was connected to open data and the open data was connected to our AI chatbot so that the person could see in real time, ah, oh, there's a parking place ready for me now at this moment. Yeah. And this is bread and butter out in the world, but not bread and butter in the most of the municipalities yeah. here in Sweden. And it's about... A, giving real-time data mm. and we use as you hear we worked with internet of things we worked with uh, ai we worked with open data we worked with blockchain and we connected all this stuff together because mm. the thing is it's not the technology that's interesting what's interesting is how do you solve a problem how do you make things better and we uh, we got a lot of uh, i think when i was there the last time I called anybody, I think we had 200 visits from other municipalities wow. and countries because we we did stuff. We didn't just talk about it. Yeah. And today, as you well know, a lot of people talk about technology and a lot of people talk about artificial intelligence. Yeah. And talking is great. I can also talk, but you have to do it as well. Yeah. Show the value of it. Kind Show of the value. Mm. So I worked with that uh, for just less than five years. Uh, it was great fun, learned a lot. And uh, and then I stuck, I took the step a year ago to 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 at the young age of 62. <laughs> <laughs> I 
another career change if you don't mind. <laughs> to leave the, the, the public sector, which I'd worked for forever, more or less, uh, yeah. to the private sector. And I uh, landed here in Altea. And my job here is in one way similar to it was in Southertelia. Mm. But now it's nationally. Yeah. Now I can have the opportunity to help lots of other municipalities, but not only the, the, the public sector, but also even the private sector. Mm. And of course, one of the great things with the tea is, of course, you know, with I don't know how many thousand people work here, is it 2,800 or something like that? Mm. <laughs> a lot of people. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of know-how. Yeah. And today, when we live in, a, a th- in an era where we're, we're, we're really living the change, mm. we've seen that with, I think a lot of people have seen that the last six or seven months, really, with artificial intelligence, chat GPT, mm. which is only a part of it. But that, that, that breakthrough has uh, helped people to understand that, you know, these people who have been talking about AI, they're not only talking, it's actually here. Yeah. A year ago, to try and get to speak, <laughs> to talk to people about AI, nobody was interested, more or less. And yeah. today, also every day, what is it? What is it not? Mm-hmm. Should we be afraid of it? Uh, should we, what should we be afraid of? What should we not be afraid of? What can we do with it? Mm-hmm. What can we not do with it? How can it help my school? How can it help my... The municipality, how can it help my private company? What happens if I don't do anything with it? Yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. well, there's a, a good example of it now, right? So Ericsson are sitting sort of across the road up yes. here. They have a suite of what they call AI apps, right? And the reason I know this is because I've written about it for them. Mm-hmm. And they deploy it on your network. Yeah. And then they go, okay, so this box is here and this yeah. cable is there. Yeah. And what the, Ericsson, uh, what the Ericsson software does is it learns about the network and then yes. it goes, oh, we should probably turn that off yeah. or that's overheating yeah. now. Yeah. And it doesn't require... Now, there's always some guy at the end has to press a button to put yes. these things yeah. and to make sure these things keep running. But the level of, uh, of uptime just shoots yeah. through the roof. Yeah. Problems don't occur because this AI mm. thing learns that, hang on a second, if mm. this does that, yeah. then it's about yeah. to go down. When, when, if I was to ask you, what is AI? What is artificial <laughs> intelligence to you? Because the answers are different yes. wherever you go. Yes. What does it mean to yeah. you, though? Uh, thanks, Philip. And it's a, a very important question. Uh, uh, and of course, there's different answers to it, uh, of course, depending on the level. Mm. But... Uh, it's like a Swedish smörgåsbord. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you that later. It's a, it's a lot of different things. Yeah. And I can give you a few examples, and you've mentioned them now, but one of the big abilities in the whole field, because it's a big field, mm. and today, and I'm going to answer your question, Phil, but today when everybody's talking about chat GPT, which is a part of an area of... of of AI called generative AI. A lot of people think mm. that that is AI, mm. but it's only a part of it. Yeah. But I'm going to come back to it. One of the abilities with with AI, which is uh, the possibilities are enormous, is the ability to analyse information. Mm. And that's what you're on about here, yeah, exactly, about yeah. the Ericsson. Yeah. You have a lot of information mm. and it can analyse it mm. and it can, it can predict that something's going to happen or not. Yeah. And, you know, us people, we're, we're great, but we're not that smart. No. 
And if you've ever heard me predicting the results of football matches, <laughs> you'll know how often it gets wrong. So you know? that is a big thing. And, and what, uh, but I'm going to tell you the other stuff, but that's a part of it. And just to give a, a so that maybe it's easier to understand. Uh, so, so one of the things we did in Southertelia, which was using AI, uh, in 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 environment focus, uh, in Southertelia, like every other municipality, you have a lot of cars driving around doing this, mm. that, and the other. What we did in Southertelia was we used AI to analyze analyze the information about how the cars drive and mm. all that kind of stuff. And then, when it's analyzed, it, it can give you feedback. Instead of driving that way, you should drive that way. Yeah. And of course, you understand that it's going to be the environmental kickback. It's going to it's going to drive shorter, and that means there's less fossil fuels and mm. there's less people. That's a very simple way of doing mm. it. Another way we were using uh, that uh, we didn't uh, get that done, but we started that. It's a common bread and butter out in the big world, is that you can a use uh, AI to analyze economic data. Yes. And you can find out, well, <coughs> did we pay the bills or did we not pay the bills? Did we pay them right? And lots of municipalities, not to say countries, they have so much information, mm -hmm. but they don't know what to do. With it and they can't make any decisions because it's so complex. Yeah. And a lot of people say that just in the environmental area, which is a question that we have to address, we can't, I mean, you know that, for, yeah. of course. That, that one of the things that's going to help us uh, forward is, if we're smart enough to use it, is to use the ability of AI to, to collect the information and help us understand it mm. and help us analyse it and help us make uh, better uh, predictions. Yeah. But that's, that's probably some of the more advanced AI. I'll, I'll take some simpler. Another part of AI, of course, is, is that you can use AI for... Um, Picture recognition, yes, uh, which is uh, which was a big breakthrough only two thousand nine, which is yesterday for God's mm. sake. But th that's it. One thing we did in Southertelia, and I'm helping another municipality at the moment, is that they're using the AI to to it's kind of an AI camera, uh, and you use it to <coughs> to recognise cars or mm. bicycles or people or whatever you wanted to do, yeah. uh, and then it counts it. So so what it does is that you can measure the flow of traffic. And this is an important question for the municipality. Maybe you want to, to find out, um, have we managed to get people to cycle more, etc., etc., etc. Do we and need another bike lane? Exa yeah. Exactly, yeah. And this is a very simple way of using AI technology. That's a part that's facial, the, the, using picture recognition. And that, it can be cars and that stuff, but it can be anything, really. Mm. That's one area. Uh, another area, of course, is uh, the whole area of generative AI, which is about how you work with texts and stuff. Mm. And this is ChatGPT is one of yeah. them. Creating pictures, creating music, creating pictures, video, all sorts. Yeah. Yes, and that's uh, a game changer. Mm. And I did not see it coming. Did you not? No. 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 Well. Very, I don't, you know, I, uh, very few people I think saw it coming. And you know, I have like lots of oh, we're living in the time of exponential change, and yeah. then it hits you. And I was so lucky, Philip, that I, when I started here in Butch in, in, in Atia, the whole generative AI exploded in Atia. Yeah. So I've been so lucky 
been at the right place. To be in this environment at that time. like Yes, yeah. and I'd worked in this area and stuff. So that's one of the big areas I work with now. And and anybody who's used ChatGPT for the private use, uh, my daughter, she lives in Tanzania. Mm. She uses it to translate stuff from Swahili to English because she's in Tanzania and all that kind of stuff. But what we do in, in Atiyah now is we help municipalities because municipalities or private companies, they have lots of information, lots of strategies. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they're saying. You can use generative AI more organized, more systematic, and you yeah. have to build in a different way. That's what we Atiyah do helping them so that they can get the correct information. But you can also, another thing we're doing in other municipalities, we're going to helping them create um, spoken uh, news uh, for the for the citizens using artificial intelligence. Yeah. So what it does is that it scrapes off the local media, yeah. makes makes a synopsis of it and then uh, tr translate it from text to, to, to oh, no, sorry, word to, to text. Yeah. Uh, and you can have, you know, you can have a man's voice, a woman's voice, you can have et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And you can do it so much cheaper, of yeah. course. And in Sweden and the rest of the world, a lot of people are saying, oh, but so many people are excluded mm. in, in the digital society. Yeah. And they're right. But if we're smart enough now, we can actually use technology to include people. Yeah. And we, a lot of people are afraid of this, that and the other and uh, some things you should be afraid of. But I think we sh should also see the possibilities. Yeah. We have, I, I, I think, I'm so lucky to live in this time in, in this history. age, yeah. Yeah. L let me take you up on that, right? Because <laughs> as talking to somebody like me whose job it is to report the news yeah. a lot of the time, right? <laughs> No, I, I don't mind it because for the last few years, I've seen a project that's like, you know, supposed to be writing football match reports, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, what my issue with that is that yeah. the, the AI that's used to generate that, this generative AI, yeah. can tell you what happened, yeah. but it can't tell you why. Now, after a lifetime of watching football, yeah. I can tell you why, yes. right? And that's where the two things fall down. So whereas I see, uh, I would absolutely love for this thing to be able to do that because yeah. match reports are boring. So-and-so yeah. scored yeah. and then yeah. this happened and yeah. that happened. Yeah. There's no, uh, I, I call it sort of low-calorie news, right? Yes. But telling people why things yes. happened and, yeah. and adding to understanding yeah. is a different kettle of fish. Where do you see this going? Because as I say, even as a journalist, I'm not anti this thing. Yeah. But what I want to see is I want it to be used to be inclusive yes. for non-Swedish speakers to be able to get news in both Czech or said or tell yes. or that, yeah. right? Where do you see that going? And do we have to be more wary of the commercial aspect of things than the technology itself? Difficult question, Philip. <laughs> uh, They're the ones from the strategists. <laughs> Great questions. I must, uh, I, I must agree. And uh, first, I can agree with you uh, that generative AI today, but that doesn't mean that it can't do it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I don't know about tomorrow, of course. It can only. It cannot give you the analysis. It, it can. It can. Um, it can write it simpler and all that kind of stuff. But so 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 the kickback in that is that our best qualities in humanity. Yeah. So now we're going to live our best qualities. Yeah. Our best qualities is understanding it and 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 ana analyzing it mm. and giving back the information. Mm. And I think that's the future for us. Yeah. So that, that so if we look at it in that direction, so we have to see what's possible and what's not possible. 
Uh, what you, you had three different questions. What were the other two questions? I suppose the big one is around the idea of when you commercialise these things, yes. things start to be driven by profit rather yes. than the need to understand or the yeah, need to yeah, explain yeah, or the need to include. Yeah, yeah. Is that a, a, because when I see the kind of companies that are getting involved in yeah. these kinds of things, yeah. and the other thing that uh, struck me, I was in China a few years ago, mm-hmm. and needless to say, as I have a tendency to do, I went somewhere I shouldn't, yeah. and I saw where all the security cameras were being watched mm-hmm. by these, and they, I know that they're using AI and facial yes. facial recognition. Yes. So yeah. I'm more sort of worried about the, the risks of these things and yes. where you see them going. Yeah. There are definitely, uh, as in all periods of history, uh, enormous risks yeah. and enormous possibilities. And we, sh- uh, we should not close our eyes to either of them. Yeah. And of course, I don't have the answers. And uh, there are a lot of people who have their focus on AI for humanity. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, there are a lot of countries and companies. How do we make the quick dollar as history has always been? And and my response to that is. uh, It's now we have to. We're making the future at this very moment. Yeah. And uh, now is not the time to sit back and let somebody else make the decisions. No, exactly. And. one of the things we should be afraid of is that, that you know, Amy Webb, an American futurist, has written a number of books about it, is that, you know, it's, it's a few technology companies in the world. Mm. And why have we let this happen? Yeah. Why are we so taken back by what? Who? Nobody told me about AI, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it just so, appeared last year, you know. <laughs> So, so it we are in a, a time of transition. And I think uh, that now is the time we have to ask seriously, we have to really ask ourselves, what do we want society to look like? It's mm. now we have to ask those simple, fundamental questions. Mm. What do we want society to look like? And what's a good society? Mm. And... And, you know, a lot of people, you know, if you look at, you know, they say in the media, something, oh, AI is going to take all our jobs and, uh, and all that. Kind of, and uh, AI is definitely going to be a game changer. Mm. I think the question we should ask ourselves, one of the other questions we should ask is, is that. Why do we have to work 40 hours a week? 40 hours a week was made, the political decision was made in 1970 in Sweden. Mm. That's yesterday, for God's sake. That's just a a decision that we people have made. We can make new decisions because you and me, Philip, we've seen enormous change in our lives. Mm. And we're going to see enormous change ahead. I think we really have to... Uh, and I can just mention that the Swedish government went out with a press release today, actually, mm. that they're, that they're uh, putting more focus on AI. They've understood at last. Yeah. They're starting an AI commission. What is it? What are we going to do with it? Mm. How is it going to affect us and all that kind of stuff? How are we going to regulate it? Or not How are we it going or? to regulate it? Yeah. That's always an important question. Mm. Especially here. Do, do you see a situation, right, because there's there's two things you would think that, you know, there is always a desire to make as much money as possible, right? 
from some from parts. some people definitely and then there's also this thing I remember talking to a chap that I, I used to know when I was a teenager and he's involved in sort of marketing and creative work and he says I do about 10 minutes of actual work a day mm. the rest of the time he says I'm really not doing anything <laughs> but I'll have an idea and some client will pay 5 or 10 or 15 grand for this and that's why I still have my job is that really what the goal should be with these things that AI shouldn't it should set us free to go and achieve the things you know to, to, to realise the great ideas that, that we have is that really where it should end up in your opinion that is definitely my opinion I think we, the important abilities ahead are just how creative we can be mm. as a journalist, as a strategist, mm. as a politician, as a teacher. Yeah. I mean, as a teacher, it's not good enough. Let's give every kid a book and then the problem is over. The problem is not over. That's it. Yeah. How do we help, or if we look at the education system, how do we help our kids understand the society we're in? Mm. How, I, I think another ability which we have to be much better on, the, 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 the digitalisering minister, I think, uh, yeah. it's a woman actually, Audrey, I can't remember her name, in Taiwan, uh, she, she wrote a big thing in the, in the Swedish newspaper just a few months ago, and and. and her uh, message was that in this era, we all, all citizens have to look at the world as a journalist with a critical thing. Yeah. And that, I think, is the way forward. And that's a great opportunity. So the ability to think, mm. the ability to understand, mm. those qualities are going to be more and more important. Mm. So if we embrace those, then we have a fantastic uh, uh, future ahead. But of course, I'm not, uh, I'm not naive. I understand that we have to regulate. And, and, and Europe has, they're way behind. Uh, I mean, you think so? Yeah. I mean, the, the four, the four big four in, in, in relation to AI, it's, it's uh, USA, of course, uh, big uh, China. Yeah. Canada, England. And they're all outside the EU, basically, yeah? Yes. And uh, one could ask, uh, Canada, they were the first world in the country who wrote an AI strategy. And that was written 2017. Six years ago now. <laughs> and the question we have to ask is, what did they see that we did? <laughs> <laughs> and can we ask that when we're running to catch up as well, you know? But I think that's important questions. What did they see that uh, that we haven't seen? Uh, I think the way we as individuals, as organisations, as countries uh, try to understand what is actually happening uh, yeah. and, and uh, try to think what is around the corner. But also what... what uh, I really think we, we should, uh, and I work quite a lot in, uh, I work with something called the Future of Democracy. It's mm. an organisation here in Sweden. I'm just a kickback in it, but these are important questions. Mm. Uh, 
when you look at these questions, right? Yeah. Often there's this thing that like, you know people are intimidated by the scale of this mm. because they don't understand it, and we mm. they hear about we even we've been talking about these reams of data that can be mm. analysed in mm. an instant, mm. right? Mm. And people go, "Oh Jesus, I could never understand that." But it's almost like the it's the other way round, right? Because mm. if we take your career for instance, mm. you went from a university full of books uh, to the internet uh, to AI. Yeah. Is this just another tool, Tony? Is it just another way of expressing, of analysing, of thinking about the same thing? We're just going to be doing it faster and bigger than ever before. In many ways, yes. But... There's an unknown here, isn't there? I think I think one of the, 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 the most difficult things, I think, but, you know, we're all... Nobody knows. Uh, I, th- I think the the biggest, one of the biggest challenges now is that change is happening so quickly. Mm. That's the big thing. That that humanity has been through change before and they've changed society and they've done it, you know, sometimes good and sometimes bad. Mm. But the rate of change now is so fast. Yeah. And I think that's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. The majority of people, I'm included, of course, when I try and think of the future, I think in a straight line. Yeah. But there, I can, I know it's not a straight line. <laughs> but it's amazing to think because it's not always the logical thing that happens either. You no. know, the difference between, and anybody under 40 listening to this, when Betamax and VHS, the, the video technology, Betamax was clearly better and it just didn't win no. because VHS was whatever, cheaper uh, to produce. Yeah, you know? So yeah. it's not logical either. Um, can you sleep at night? Are you worried by this thing? I'm not. No, I'm not worried about it. I am not worried. Uh, and uh, if I could uh, quote a Canadian woman that I met uh, uh, this future of democracy in, 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 in Gothenburg in, in, the, in the summer, um, Alison Cohn, young woman. Uh, a lot of people say she's one of the world's most influential in relation to AI and ethics. Mm. And um, she 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 says that we have to go from fear to trust, mm. and that is that is I totally agree with her. Uh, w- when people are scared, uh, when I'm scared, then uh, you make decisions which probably aren't the best. Mm. And to and to move from fear to trust, uh, then you have to have information. Yeah. And that's really important. So I think understanding what AI is and what it's not, what you should be afraid of and what you should not be afraid of is important. Mm. And uh, and lots of other countries uh, have understood this question and now seemingly we've started to understand it in Sweden. So that's a big thing ahead for the whole lot of us to understand. Uh, but we also, I think we have to, we have to be better at to connect the dots, we we have we, it's it's not we have to, we have to understand as I mentioned in the beginning that the the population of Sweden is getting older and older, and that means that it's hard to get people in the coffee shop every day in the news. You can see that, and at the same time, a lot of media are saying AI is going to take all our jobs. That's that that, that equation doesn't work. Yeah, and I think I think we're so afraid, uh, and that's so. Let's. I think the future is future up to us. Yeah. But uh, you're positive about it. You're looking forward to this. Development. Yes. Yeah.
very much so. And and that doesn't mean that uh, that uh, that you shouldn't uh, blindfold that you shouldn't, uh, but. Uh, uh, it's global questions. Uh, mm. I, I believe in in uh, in um, the capacity of humanity. I really believe it. We've we've done it before. We've mm. done change before, Philip. Yeah. And sometimes good and sometimes bad. But we can do it. But it's up to us. And it's there. now. A young man at the age of sixty-two, after several career changes. <laughs> Is this what you're going to do now? Are you ever going to retire? Are you always going to retain an interest in this, in, in uh, democracy, in, in technology? <laughs> uh, oh, it's very hard to get away from, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to, uh, as long as I enjoy it uh, and as long as I can keep my edge. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, I work in an area where where you're on the edge the whole time, yeah. uh, uh, but that's one of the things that I love about it. And uh, if you lose it, then you lose it. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, some I usually say that what, whatever you know about AI and technology, mm. whatever you know, you still know too little. Yeah. And it's the same thing for me. Yeah. But I love that because then I get a chance to talk to people like you. And other people, and I get a chance to learn things, and I get I get challenged through the way I think and, and so forth. So, uh, so I'm very lucky. I tell you what, you've just been appointed the AI correspondent for the Irish and Sweden podcast. <laughs> so no doubt we'll have you back on again soon. But Tony, for now, thanks very much indeed for talking to me. Thanks, Philip. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage a comedian. I just had birthday, turned an older age. I am now so old my birth certificate is death certificate. <laughs> How are dentists real? You touch enough tooth and get a job working in my mouth. I hate the economy. <laughs> Politics are happening again. There are too many flags. If flag wave at me, I have to wave back or I am cancelled by culture. Free speech, not no more, costs $17. Just jesting. I'm kidding you all. To prove I am kidding, here are some kids. There you go. Uh, a bot was made to watch 400,000 hours of stand-up comedians and then asked to generate a stand-up routine. And that was it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a stand-up comedian, I wouldn't be too worried about my job for the time being, right? Because uh, that just wasn't funny at all. I thought I'd throw it in there, though, just to give you an example of the kind of generative AI that uh, that Tony was talking about there, the kind of thing like ChatGPT and that. So you can see that, you know, it kind of gets it, but there's an awful long way to go before machines will be able to replicate what human beings can do, if they can at all. And I'll tell you what uh, they won't be able to do, is score points 
comments like Dan Gallagher or have that laugh that Tony McCarrick has when he's enjoying himself when he's talking about technology and generative AI and all these things. So I don't think that we're under too much of a threat from that from the, for the time being. But uh, as I think you'll agree, it's a fascinating chat. And maybe I was talking to Tony about it afterwards that what we might have to do, I'm mad to do a couple of live podcast lads, right? And I might get himself, and I think um, Jay Kelly here is working with uh, machine learning and that kind of thing as well. It'd be great to get them into a room in front of maybe business people or members of the Swedish Irish Society or whatever and just sit them down and talk about these things and see, you know, we can look into our crystal ball and see what the future looks like over over a drink somewhere. We might do it in Veerstums. You never know yet, you know. Anyway, listen, this is a community-supported podcast. It exists because you do, right? Uh, so if you could support it, go to patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm. There's a swish number, but it's Sunday night and I don't have it to hand at the moment. So I'm going to skip that. So this week I'm going to say, if you want to support the podcast, and please do, I really hope that you see the value in what I'm doing here, bringing in this weekly podcast for the Irish community in Sweden. So if you can throw in a five a month, that would be deadly because, uh, I'm, as I say, I'm looking into investing in other things, into live shows, into coming to different places but there's always a sort of an opportunity cost like you know if I end up having to spend money to do these things it's money that I could be spending investing in other areas of my business and at the end of the day lads you kind of have to make a crust right that woman of mine is magnificent but one of these days she'll kick me out if I don't keep bringing home the bacon I hope you enjoyed that as I say next week we will be looking to talk to the Camogues and the Hurlers uh, after their experience in The Hague because that's something that I really love to, to concentrate on but in the meantime I might be contacting one or two years to get a few episodes in the bank so if you have any stories that you like to tell me uh, from anywhere in Sweden, in particular in Lynn Shopping, right? If there's anybody in Lynn Shopping, I'm going to be down there for a football match next week, and I might be down there for a day or two. Uh, Arsenal are coming over to play a Champions League qualifying tournament ish thing. Uh, and I think uh, Katie McCabe is going to be over as well so it's uh, going to be a good old game down there but I'm going to take the opportunity to meet any of the Irish community in Lynn Shopping or surrounding areas because they'll have me little car lads and uh, I can come and meet you wherever you are and we can have a cup of coffee and a chat about whatever it is you are up to right uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast please share it right don't be sitting there now lads going Asher everybody will have heard of this right every time somebody says to me I didn't know you had a podcast for the Irish in Sweden a little piece of me dies inside lads so please do share it if you're working with Irish people if you know Irish people they might know about it but if they don't know about it they'll find out about it when you send them a link on WhatsApp or on Instagram or share it on your story or that kind of thing I'd really appreciate it if you do that that would make my life so much easier and as I say patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm throw in a few bob there and we keep the lights on listen I leave you to it right I shall be back again next week with another podcast until then my friends take care of yourselves take care of one another and I'll be back again next week Good luck.